in this church. God is doing great things in your life. So we're finishing up. This has been a great series. Amen? It's been very powerful. And uh, I want you to, to be mindful that God has again prepared you. And I know I talk about this often, but you have great plans. God has great plans for your life. You have purpose on this earth. And you weren't created just to live and die. You were created to live and die for God. Amen. So if you have your Bible to, and turn to uh, Genesis 45, we'll turn there in a moment. Genesis 45. We'll turn there in a moment. And while you're turning there, I have a little of announcement commercial. Um, maybe you, you're kind of new to our church or you're fairly new to a, a spirit-filled church uh, and you're not sure about when we have what we had this morning, a tongues and interpretation or sometimes we have a word of knowledge or a vision or something like that. You think, this is kind of strange. God still speaks to people today. And so we believe in that. So if you don't maybe know about that or you want some scriptures and, and you want to know about that, in the back on the, on the little tables back there, there are two little pamphlets. There's actually more than that. There's one called uh, Our Distinctive Doctrine, the Baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe the, the Holy Spirit baptizes us for power to change the world and to, to edify the body. And then there's one talks about the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit. There are two different aspects. So those are in the back if you want them. There's some scriptures back there. I would love for you to grab those and, and uh, look at that so you understand why and what we do and why we, why we want the gifts of the Spirit to flow in our church. All right. Genesis 45, verses 3 uh, through 8. Actually, we'll, yeah, 3 through 8. Genesis 45, 3 through 8. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one who sold you into Egypt. And now, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land and for the next five years, there will be, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of this entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. Let's pray. Father, let the word of God speak to us today. Let your spirit speak to us, Father God. Let your power, Lord God, speak to us. Lord, you speak to every person in this room. You have great plans and purpose for every person. We don't live to live. We live to live for you, God. We bless you. And all God's people said, Amen. I, I quote the scripture often, Jeremiah 29:11. It says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. God has a plan for you. And I talk about this a lot, and this series has been a lot about that. Genesis is about jo the series of Joseph. Joseph has had to go through all these tests. And if you're new with us today, or you kind of missed some of these sermons, all of the test sermons are online. So if you go to www.rockfellag.com and it says podcast, you click on it there, you can find all the sermons. And, and how do you know they all end with test? The pardon test, the prison test, the prosperity test. The, the, uh, uh, there's a bunch of them. I can't quote them all. There were ten of them. And today we're on the purpose test. Last week was the pardon test. That was a very powerful sermon. If you didn't catch that, you can catch that online. But Joseph had been sold into slavery by his brothers. He had been in, he had been in Egypt for 22 years. He'd spent 13 years working as a slave. Part of that time he'd been in a dungeon. Uh, he was punished for a crime he did not commit. 
now at 39 years old. Um, he, he had already been the administrator for, he was the chief administrator for the, all the country of Egypt for nine years. At that time, Egypt was one of the, the four most powerful countries of its time. And so here he is, he's 39 years old, and he's seen his country through, through seven years of plenty of harvesting, and now they're two years into a famine, there's going to be five more years where, where people are, are, are not going to be able to, to get food, and so they have to come to Egypt. And so Joseph is surprised after 20 years to see his brothers who had betrayed him. They had come into Egypt for food and they were bowing down to him. And I, th- I don't know if I have the scriptures, but Genesis 42, 6, do I have it? Genesis 42, 6 says, Now Joseph was the governor of the land, the one who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. Then in verse 49, Then he remembered his dreams about them and said, You are spies. You have come to see where our land is unprotected. Now, real quick, remember Joseph, when he was young, he had a colorful coat. His dad loved him more than his other brothers. And he, and he had a dream. He said, Every one of you are going to bow down to me. And they didn't like that. Of course, he was young. He was cocky. He had to learn. And so now, 20 years later, he's, he probably forgot about that a little bit. He comes, his brothers come begging for food for their people. And the dream, he's reminded because why? They're bowing down to him. And he realizes, for such a time as this, I've been sent to save my people. And so you have been called for such a time as this. I don't know if you've not been watching the news or the internet or if you've not seen, our world is heading in a bad place. And either we can curse the darkness and say, what's wrong? And, and, or we can say, God, you have called us here. Because there's a severe famine for spirituality in our world. In fact, it's becoming more increasingly illegal, even in the United States, to be call yourself a Christian. We have, we have a lot of luxuries. and we, we, are not, we are not persecuted like other believers are in other countries. But it is coming, church. I'm not, a, I'm not a doom and gloom prophet. But either we can get on our knees and say, God, use us and prepare us for such a time as this and send us out. Or we can just hide. And let the world have its way. I'm one of those ones. You know what, God? For such a time as this, the church exists. Father, every one of these people in this church, every believer who calls himself a follower of Christ, exists for this time to rescue people who are in bondage, who are, who are, who are spiritually hungry. Amen? So you and I don't exist just to live the American dream. And it's great. Thank God for the American dream. Thank God for the prosperity this, this country offers us. But that's not what life is about. That's just part of life. Amen? Where you're at, God has called you for a great purpose. And his purpose is to change the world. Joseph realized this dream was from God and that he had this great purpose. I'm hoping that whatever dream, whatever God's given you, the experiences you've dealt with, the schooling, the, the hard knocks of life, God is preparing you for such a time as this. Maybe you won't see your dream fulfilled for another 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. But in that, you have purpose. Amen? So let's talk about your purpose test. Number one, the purpose test. Understanding your destiny. Understanding your destiny. Joseph realized that he stepped into his destiny when his brothers came asking for food. Joseph now understood why all this stuff happened to him. Why he went through the, the prison test. Why he, was, why he was treated like he was. Why he was put where he was at. God placed him in a land that would save his people. And so he steps into his destiny. He understood that. And all through those difficulties, he kept his eyes focused on God and his plan for his life. And I want to challenge you in the same thing. Difficulties are going to come and go. Good times are going to come and go. But stay focused on your purpose. Amen? On your destiny. So Joseph had then passed the purpose test. So letter B, everyone has a God-ordained purpose. Say, I have a God-ordained purpose. 
You don't exist. Listen to this. You don't exist to make a living, but to live a life worth living. Do you understand that? I know you have to make a living. You have to pay your bills, but you don't, that's not the sum total of your existence. Amen? You live to live a life worth living. And I want you to start living like that. I want you to start believing that. You don't exist just to live for yourself. You exist to help others live a life worth living. Amen? We live in one of the greatest countries. There's a lot of great countries. But we live in one of the greatest countries and prosperity is still powerful and we get so focused on how much more we can do for us. How much, what does the world offer us? What's the church offer us? What's the government offer us? Instead of us saying, God, what can I offer? You see, there's a day when you can't always receive, but there's a day when you're going to have to start giving. Amen? And we live in this country that's always about receiving when it should also be about giving. Amen? So you don't exist just for yourself. You exist for others. And we have to stop letting society define who we are. Amen? Don't let the world tell you who you are. You be who God has created you to be. Amen? Through your gifts, your talents. And, and, and stop letting the world tell you who, how, you're, how you're supposed to practice your faith. Amen? This is where you learn how to practice your faith. It's called the Bible. Amen? Not Fox News, not CNN, not the Democrats, not the Republicans. They don't tell you how to live for Jesus. Jesus tells you how to live for Jesus. Amen? You live your purpose. Well, the pastor stand it's illegal to talk about Jesus. It, so what? You can still live for Jesus and people are going to ask you about it. Amen? Amen? It's good preaching, right? You see, you and I are going to live in eternity. We may have 90 years on this earth. And are we going to live for the world or are we going to live for God in those 90 years? Are we going to be what God wants us to be or are we going to be what the world tells us we are? The question I have then is, how have you lived your life? Have you lived it just for yourself? Have you lived it for others? What have you built your faith and your life on? You see, because every one of us are going to stand before God. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 11 through 15. I know it's a little long, but it says, For, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day, meaning the day of redemption, will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive a reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. And of course, Romans fourteen twelve. So each man... Each one of us will give an account of himself to God. And you see, one day you and I are going to stand before God. He's going to ask you, how did you spend the money I gave you? How did you spend the time that I gave you? How did you treat the family I gave you? How did you tell my, the co-workers and your neighbors about Jesus? Well, I was busy, God. I was, I was paying bills. I was working. I was edu- getting educated. I was, I was tired. And, and so he said, that's not what I asked you. Well, God, I had this car. I had this degree. I, I, I built this business. I don't care about that. What did you do with that stuff to reach more people? Amen? You see, we get sucked up into this American dream. It's awesome. I love this country. I love all countries. But this is not the sum total of your existence. God's not going to care about where you lived. He's going to care how you lived. Amen? I mean, yes, He's concerned about where you live. But He wants to know how you lived while you were there. I know you're tired. I know you're busy. I know you travel. I know you you, you do the beltway and and you're on the metro and all that stuff. But... What are you doing with that time? And when you come to church, what do you do with your time here? With your family? With the ministries outside the church? Amen? How did you live your life? 
So number two is this. Believe. Believe that you have a purpose. Believe that you have a purpose. How many would you agree that God is a purposeful God? He has purpose. He has purpose. Every creature is as annoying as, and I don't, I don't like spiders as much, but they have purpose. Their fangs, you know, the hairy ones, you know what I'm talking about, the ones that are, how many hate spiders? How many love spiders? No, I'm just kidding. But yet even a spider has a purpose. He kills other bugs, or she kills, isn't that awesome? Right? I mean, what's the purpose of a mosquito besides to annoy you and suck your blood? I mean, they have a purpose. Their purpose is to suck your blood and to procreate and just make more bugs. Isn't that awesome? You think, God, I don't understand that. And you're going to get to heaven. God, why did you create mosquitoes? I don't know. But there's a purpose. There's a purpose for everything. And God has purpose for you. God has purpose for your life. There's a purpose for everything in creation. Each person has a purpose to fulfill on this earth and into eternity. And God is not a purposeless God. You weren't just born. You weren't just an accident. You, your parents might have said you were just an oops. <laughs> so, uh, someone said I am. You, you are not an oops. God made you on purpose. You live and breathe in this day and age for this reason, to change lives. And God is a purposeful God. And God hates to waste things. He doesn't want you to waste your life. In fact, you are a beautiful creation. Psalm 139, 13 through 16 says this, For you, were create, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the, of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Do you see that? So God has a plan for your life, right? Sometimes we get off track. Sometimes we we stay on it. And sometimes we bounce around. But God has a purpose for every person on this earth. Young man, young lady, you're going to school right now or you're not sure what you're going to do. Just say, God, you have purpose for my life. Let me step into that purpose. Amen? Amen? Maybe you're older and you're still not sure what it is. Say, God, I'm at this career. It's a dead-end career. I don't know what to do. Say, God, help me step into my purpose right now. In Jesus' name. Amen? Do that. He wants you to live your life. You are wonderfully made. You have intellect. I mean, look at you. You're all good looking. You have great smiles, great eyes. I mean, don't even worry about your hair and your body shape. You're just perfect. Amen? Come on. You're perfect as God made you. You have gifts and talents, and God wants you to use those to change the world. Amen? You don't work for the man. You don't work for the government. You don't work for the school system. You don't work for the shop. You don't work for the company. You work for God. Amen? Where, where, you might work at the government or the shop or at the school. or you might do, But you're called to be God's servant and minister in those places. Amen? You're created for so much more. And God doesn't want you to waste your life living for the world. He wants you to be in the world but not of the world. Amen? He wants you to live in the world and be a light for God. You can create, you can do all these things. And God wants you to live your life on purpose. Amen? So the second part of this is God created you with a unique purpose. When God created you, He had a specific purpose. You are the only you this world has. Amen? Some of us are saying, thank God, right? Good and bad. I was thinking, thinking good. What were you thinking? Some of you were thinking, I'm glad pastor's dead. Yeah, right? I see where that's at. You are the only you. And you have gifts and talents that this world is waiting on. You're wait, we're waiting on you. And you're holding them back. Well, I'm tired. I got, I got life. I got job. And that's awesome. But your job is to be a Christian. 
every day. And use those gifts and talents to change the world. Amen? So, so God has a purpose. You're not to exist just for you. And we must believe God. And I, and I tell you, I, we try to instill in our kids every day. And when I, I tell you this, I told this before and I'm going to keep telling this. But every day when I'm taking my kids to school, I, I, try, to, I try to take them to school every day and I pray with them. I say, okay, let's pray. Father, I, I say a, a, a blessing. I pray whatever's going on in their lives that day. And then I say, Lord, fulfill your divine purpose in Zoe. Or Michaela, whoever I'm dropping off, say, Lord, do not let them live for the world. Let them live for you. And if you're not praying that for your kids, start. And if your kids are already grown, then still pray that over, the, over your kids and your grandkids. Amen? Because we have a divine purpose that's greater than what the world says. And so, Lord, let us live this out. Let us be that. Let us discover that. Amen? Let me move on. Number three, because I need to move on. Number three, understand that God is in control. Say that. God is in control. That's easy to say, isn't it? Come on, it's easy to say, but it's hard to believe sometimes. You see, if you believe God is in control, that will serve as the anchor to your faith. That will serve as the anchor to your soul. When things go rough, when you're not sure where you're at, when, when the world seems un, unsure of where it's at, you'll always know God is still God. He is still on the throne. Amen? He is still in control. And if, if we don't believe that God is in control, then we become sad. We become disillusioned. We become discouraged. We begin to live a depressed life. And, and we live in a world where there is a lot of depression. There's a lot of stress. And a lot of that stress and depression is because too many people don't know they have purpose. Or they're allowing the world to, to, to seemingly spin out of control and spin their lives out of control. And if you're not sure, listen to this, if you're not sure if you're an optimist or a pessimist, ask your spouse. You know what a difference between an optimist and a pessimist, right? An optimist, they're always, hey, things are going to work out. The pessimist says, I doubt it. This, you know, how's work? Oh, it's terrible. An optimist, oh, I love it. Well, they just, they just laid a bunch of people off, but it's great. Not that they got laid off, but I mean, you see what I'm saying? An optimist, they're always like, it's good. And a pessimist is like, it's worse. It's going to get worse. Pastor Stan, don't you watch the news? I do, and I turn this stuff off because I don't want to be a pessimist. I want to be an eternal optimist in God's power. Amen? And I want you to be like that. I don't want to brainwash you, but I want you to begin to say, God is in control. Amen? And when you begin to understand that God is in control, good things and bad things come along, and you're going to learn to grow in both of them. Amen? Remember this whole thing about Joseph. Joseph had to go through some tough stuff so that he could live where God had him. What makes you think you're any different? Young man, young lady, starting in a new career, going to college, you're going to have some tough days. Young married couples, man, you're, it's, being married is awesome, but you're going to go through some tough days. Right? doesn't matter how old you are, you're going to face good times and bad times, but you've always got to keep that anchor. God is in control. Amen? We must understand that even when bad things happen, God can turn those bad things into good things. Amen? We must understand that God can turn those. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. When bad things happen, God can turn those into good things. Even when you make mistakes, even when I make mistakes, even when we fail, God can still turn that around. Isn't that awesome? Come on, that you should be cheering right now. You should be like going, man, Lord, I blew it this week, but you can turn it around. God, I, I failed this week, but Lord, you can turn it around. God can turn things around just like that. Come on, you've got to start believing that. When you make mistakes, don't be beating yourself up all day and all week. I'm such a loser. That's the devil. Come on, amen, this is good preaching. 
I wish someone would wake up today, man. Man, stop living like the world tells you. When you make mistakes and they yell at you, say, you know what, I'm, I'm a human. I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Lord, help me to move on now. Amen? I mean, if you're not making mistakes, then you're probably not living either. All right? You're going to make mistakes. You've got to learn. You've got to grow, man. You, we live in this society that doesn't want to be sick, that doesn't want troubles, and doesn't make mistakes. I don't know what society that is. There's no such place. You only learn from doing. And you only grow from going out. And you're going to make mistakes. You're going to fail. You're going to trip. Bad things are going to happen to you. People are going to do things. They're going to have evil intent. But you've got to say, you know what? I'm a child of God. God has a plan for my life. He's surrounding me with angels. And no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Amen? And when I do make mistakes, my God can turn it around. Amen? That is our God. So then the second part of this, of, of understanding that God is in control, you must believe it. I've just talked about it for a few minutes. Now you've got to believe that God is in control. You've got to get it from here and here into here. You've got to start believing that God is in control of everything in your life. You've got to believe that God is in control. Amen? Because if you don't believe that He's in control then you must find someone else to pray to. Because when things are out of control, I don't know about you, but I go to God. And if I don't believe in Him, then I better not pray to Him. Amen? So you've you got to believe that He is in control. Pastor, don't you watch the news? Can't you see our world is spinning out of control? It's not spinning out of control. It's just sinful man doing sinful things. It's been like that since the beginning of time, since, since Adam and Eve messed up. It's been like that all the time. It's going to continue. There are going to be spiritual awakenings and revivals. And listen to this. Listen to this. Part of the reason it's seemingly out of control, listen, it's because many believers don't pray and act in His name anymore. We think the government should solve all the problems. We think the pastor should solve all the We think our mom and dad should solve all We think the boss should solve all the problems. How about being the church and taking Jesus everywhere you go and let Him solve the problems? Amen? Come on, church, amen? When we begin to believe that He's in control and we're part of that, we can begin to touch our world, amen? You see, the other thing is, the reason the world is spinning out of control is too many believers falsely believe that they cannot make a difference. Pastor, you don't get it. I work a lot of hours. I'm just there and I, I just say, I can't make a difference. That's a lie from the devil. You can make a lot of difference for those hours you work, amen? Well, Pastor Stan, I, I voted and it just doesn't matter. Well, keep voting but start praying. Start living like God in your workplace, in your home, in your community. Believe that, say, God, you have a purpose for my life. Amen? Come on, amen? And then there are some Christians that falsely believe that Satan is in control and not God. Let me tell you something. Satan is not God. He is not a God. Satan is an angel that rebelled against God. And Satan and God are not even on the same playing field. They're not even in the same league. I mean, Satan's like in peewee baseball league and God is like the ultimate do you see what I'm saying? Satan is a created being. He is not God. It's not yin and yang. It's not good versus bad. It's not Star Wars, the force and all, the dark side. God is in control. Amen? He is the creator of all. Satan is part of the creation. And the problem is too many believers give Satan more power and they exalt him over God. And we got to say, you know what, Satan, you never can sit up on that throne. Get down where you belong. In fact, Satan belongs below your feet. Did you know that? Yeah, that's right. You've got to stomp on him because he is not over you. You've got to stop giving him power. In fact, 1 John 4, 4 says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. 
Who's in the world? Satan. See, do, you, do you see what the Scripture says? You, you are greater than the one who is under your feet. You've got to stop believing that. We've got to stop the whole... Oh, I mean, yes, the devil's out to get you, but you have power over him. Because then the next Scripture says in Luke 10, 18, 19, it says, He replied, I saw, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you... Who's you? Us. Authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome... What? All the power of who? The enemy. And what? Nothing will harm you. Too many Christians live in fear of Satan. Stop it! You have power over him. Did you see what I just read? All authority is given to you. and No, no power from the devil can have power of you unless God allows him to test you, to strengthen you. Amen? Stop giving the devil more credit than he deserves. He is a created being and he is subject to you because of Jesus Christ. Amen? I don't have time to write down Colossians 1, 15-19. Write that down. It talks about how God put Christ over all. He is over everything. He is God. Christ is the, the, the ruler of everything. Everything's under His feet. And because of that, God has a specific plan for you. And part of His plan is a larger plan. And you're part of that larger plan. And you've got to stop letting the devil beat you up. You have to stop beating yourself up. You have to stop living in your failures. You have to say, you know what? God is in control and I believe it. Amen? He is working in your life whether you see it or not. I have a, I have a problem. I get impatient. I get frustrated at times. Because the way I'm wired, I want to see things happening. I want to see things moving. And so I get, I get impatient. I say, God, why aren't you moving in my life? Why aren't things happening? And he's like, I'm working. You just don't see it. God is always working. Imagine Joseph in prison wondering where God was. God was working. Imagine Joseph working in Potter's house wondering where God was. He was working. Imagine then when Joseph then becomes the second in command of all of Egypt. And then his brothers come in bowing down before him. Then it, wow. One day, that same thing's going to happen in your life. Maybe it's already happened. But you've got to believe it. Believe that God is in control of your life and what he has planned for you. Amen? Believe that greater things are happening. So let me move on. Number four, discover your gift and your direction. Discover your gift and your direction. Letter A, your, your God-given gifts will be relate, related to your purpose. Your God-given gifts will be related to your purpose. In other words, when you discover your, your gifts and your purpose, you'll have a better, uh, your talents, I'm sorry, when you understand your gifts and your talents, you'll have a better understanding of your purpose. In other words, whatever you like to do is part of your purpose. Whatever you're very talented at, that's part of your purpose. Do you see what I'm saying? If you can build things, then part of your purpose is building. If you can administrate things, part of your purpose is administering. Let me talk about Joseph. Joseph had a very good gift of administration. He, he could administer. He knew how to make a profit. He did well. That was part of his purpose. Not just for him and his family, but also for the kingdom. For the whole world. Amen? And so whatever your gifts are, whatever your talents are, they're going to be part of your purpose. If you're not sure of what your purpose is and your gifts are, ask God. He will tell you. In fact, uh, at the end of service, if you've never, I've passed these out before. I have some spiritual gifts. Uh, they're not tests, it's just to help you. If you've never, never known what your spiritual gifts and talents are, there's a little questionnaire that helps you go through. There's no right or wrong. It just helps you find your spiritual gifts. 
And uh, if you want one, there's a, t- a gifts test and an answer key, and it kind of describes the different spiritual gifts. If you've gone through the membership class, uh, you've done this. If it's been a long time, or you're going to be in the membership class next week, you'll get this as well. But if you want to take that, I think I have 20 or 25 copies. I want you to discover your spiritual gifts. Amen? Because God wants you to use those spiritual gifts in your home, your workplace, in this church, and in the community. Amen? And a lot of times we think, well, uh, well, Pastor, I'm not called to be in the ministry. That's false. You are in the ministry. You're called to minister to your, yourself, your family, and your co-workers, and in the church, and in the world. So you're a five-fold minister. You're called to be a minister of God. You may not be a pastor, you may not be a worship leader, you may not be a teacher, but you're a minister wherever you go. You minister God's grace wherever you go. Amen? So you've got to say, okay, God gives me these gifts to build the kingdom, to build my company, to take care of my family. If you're not sure about your purpose, ask these questions. What has God gifted me to do? What am I good at doing? What has God gifted me to do? What am I good at doing? What gets me pumped? What, what do I really dream about doing? I mean, some people, they dream about building buildings. Some people dream about setting a form that helps... Better organized. Thank God for you because I need you. I'm not, I, I do not. Some of you dream about Excel spreadsheets. Oh, you're like, oh, heaven. You know, so, and some of you build, dream about being with people and all. And I'm more of a people. I love being with people. I don't love, I, I'll die if I'm sitting in, the, in a computer. In fact, I, like, how do you do this stuff, you know? Oh, this is crazy, you know. And, and some people, are, they're wired. Some people love to serve. Some people love to, to just do all these things. And so whatever you get excited about, whatever you dream about, well, I dream on going, going on vacation, Pastor Stan. I dream, I, dream, I dream about living in luxury. Then maybe you're a missionary. Oops. Oh, I, no, that wasn't my dream, Pastor Stan. That wasn't my dream. That was uh, my friend's Seriously. Vacation is just part of life. It's not life. I mean, all of us love, I mean, I love going to the beach. I love going to the mountains. I love, going to the, I love all of God's creation. What do you dream about? What do you get excited about? I get excited about eating. So do I. But that's not part of your purpose alone. That keeps you fueled for your purpose. Amen? You have purpose. You have gifts. You have talents. And when something energizes you, maybe that will help you fulfill your purpose. I mean, Edison. What did Edison invent? He dreamed about it. He did it. He worked at it. So maybe your purpose, because we all think, well, all the, you know what, everything's been, has been invented. There's nothing new to invent. That's wrong. Maybe you have a new invention that's going to help us out. Maybe there's a new math formula that's going to help us travel to Mars in, in warp speed, right? Maybe there's a new, new uh, computer program that's going to be, I mean, maybe there's a new medical technique. Maybe there's a new tool that you can invent. Maybe there's a new way to bring peace. You see, everything has not been invented. Some of you have been sitting on this gift thinking, well, I'm nobody, and that's a lie from the devil. And your purpose hasn't come yet because you don't believe you have purpose. You've got to believe in that purpose, amen? You've got to say, hey, God's given me these gifts and these talents, and I want to use them for the kingdom of God. Well, I suppose God just wants me to do something really boring and unpleasant. Where do you get that from? Come on, really? I guess God wants to send me to a place I hate to live. That's not God's thinking. Right? Well, maybe God will send me to be a missionary in this God-forsaken land. Well, for some of us, that's where we're at right now. Some people think the United States is a God-forsaken land. Seriously. You, you think you got it bad. I mean, really, this is God called us here. God is a God of love. Amen? God is a good God. 
He wants serving him to be fun and rewarding. In fact, John 10.10, the thief's purpose is to still kill and destroy. I have this in the New Living Translation. God, Jesus says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Where does it say that God wants you to suffer through all of life? Where does it say that God wants your ministry to be, to be boring or hate, to be hated? It's going to be tough. It's going to be cruel at times, but it's going to be rich and satisfying. Amen? So if God calls you to the mission field or to the hospital or to the shop or to a new lab or, or, or a new classroom or whatever God calls you to do, say, God, there's purpose for this. Amen? Amen. Let me move on. Number, number four of letter B is many members in one body. You notice I capitalize one body. And I emphasize that during worship time. Now, I know I, know I get a lot of... I know some people get upset about this or, and I'm, I try not to mention it too much, but I'm tired of the church falling into what the Republicans tell us we're supposed to do. I'm tired of the church falling into what the Democrats tell us what we're supposed to do. I'm tired of the news media telling us what the church is supposed to be like. I'm tired of the world telling us what the church should be like. We're one body. You don't belong to the D- Democrats or Republicans. You might vote one of those, you might not vote, you know, you know, but you belong to Jesus. Jesus died on the cross. I know I mentioned that a lot, but right? church, we've got to get that. I'm tired of believers falling into, well, I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican and I can't. We're one body. You cut us, we all bleed the same red blood. We're all part of the body. In fact, Romans 12, 4 through 8 says, Just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. Verse 5, here's that one I said in communion. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Verse 6, we each have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. So Paul uses the difference in the human body to say even in the spiritual life, every person has a function in the church. Amen? I was talking this morning in the membership class. It says in, it says in Ephesians four eleven and twelve it says that it was Jesus who gave pastors, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers to build the body of Christ, so that each person will basically do its work. The pastor, the evangelist, the prophet, the teacher are not supposed to do all the work by themselves. Amen. So in this church, every one of you have spiritual gifts. Let me just kind of run through this. Our purpose, your purpose, your gifts, your talents relate to your spiritual gifts here in the church at your workplace, in your home, and in your neighborhood. Amen? So Paul, just let me just kind of go through this quickly because this is not the full example. Paul mentions seven spiritual motivated gifts. The first is the motivator or the, the prophet. This person desires to motivate people to serve God. They, they tend to focus on wrong and right and they usually are interested in the motives of the hearts. So the, the prophet says, wrong or right, I want you to live for God. Okay, so maybe some of you are motivated that way. Then there's the servant. The servant, the Greek word for servant here means an attendance or to serve in an act of service. This person desires to meet the practical needs of the person. They're the person like when you go to dinner, they're clearing the plates, even though the waiter is supposed to do that, right? Right? They're the one that when you invite them over for dinner, they're trying to clean up because they like to serve. They're the one trying to say, oh, can I get that for you? Can I open the door? Can I help you? That's, that's the person who has a servant gift. Then there's a teacher. This person loves to study and present truths. They're reading, more, they're, they're reading more than one book at one time. And they, 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 man, they just say, I can't get enough of the Bible. And they don't want to just get it for themselves, but say, man, did you, I was reading the Word. Did you know this? 
That's a teacher, okay? Then there's the encourager. These are people that get on your nerves, right? They're the ones that love to encourage. I mean, they're the ones when you say, I lost my job. They say, don't worry, God has a better job. I don't have any money. Don't worry, God. I mean, you're like, that's easy for you to say, but they, they can't, that is easy for them because they're an encourager. So don't shut all the encouragers down, amen? Come on, amen? Sometimes we're like, oh, you're just Pollyanna. What you'll learn one day. You know, they are learning. They're just encouragers. They're just wired that way. They're like, man, who can I encourage today? Who can I, who can I, who can I, who can I just pat on the back and tell them to go on today? That's the way they're wired. Then there's the giver. This person desires to meet the material needs of others. They absolutely love to give. They absolutely cheer when worship, when we say it's time for offering. The other one's like, yeah, woo! Why? Because they, I love to give. In fact, they're the ones asking me, Pastor Stan, can we receive more offerings? Some of you are like, what? Seriously, a giver, they make money so they can give it to other people. That's what they think. They, they're, they're, I mean, yes, they, they like to have nice things, but they're like, man, Pastor, when are you going to have a special offering for X, Y, and Z? And, and I mean, they're, they're like, they, spiritual revival when we have more than one offering on Sunday morning. <laughs> to them, listen, to them, that, they say, that's a good service. You and I might think, well, the preaching was good, or the worship was good, or well, none of it was good. And they're like, man, we had two uh, offerings. Wow, revival's coming. I mean, that's the gift. That's a giver. They love to give. They want to help in that. Then the administrator. This is the person that desires, that desires to help people through organization, administration. They're the ones sometimes are the take charge people that put people in place. Or they're the ones that have all the, the things. They're the ones, and we might say to sickness, but they're the ones that have all their cupboards lined up. And have labels and everything. You might think they're sick, but that's a gift. They, they have a numbering chart for their sock drawer. And you might think they're sick. They're just wired to administrate. And we can't keep beating up all the time. But here's the point. You cannot just be one of these. We need all of these. And there's other gifts. And so we've got to stop beating people up for who they are and say, you know what? We need you to be a part of what we're doing here. We need you to be part of the human race. We need you to be involved in what God is doing all over the world. Amen? Together, all these gifts make up the body of Christ. And if you're a follower in Christ, you're supposed to be using these gifts here in the church, outside the church, in your home. In fact, 1 Peter 4.10 says, I'm almost getting down to the end. Don't worry. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to what? Serve. Come on. I, oh, I didn't only hear one person. To what? Serve. serve others. It didn't say serve themselves. It said serve others. So shame on you if you think the church exists just to serve you. Shame on you if you think the government exists just to serve you. Shame on you if you think your company, your business exists just to serve you. It will serve you, but you should be there saying, God, how can I be a better servant here? How can I serve these people? God, how can I help out at my church? How can I help out in my neighborhood? How can I help my world? How can I help the world know about Jesus? Amen? Number five. Your purpose gives direction, not specifics. Everyone of us would love to get the manual that God wrote. Everyone else would love to see that book, right? That gets a God ordained. We'd love to see it. No, you'd go crazy. And you would, you would mess up. God gives you what you need just so that you don't mess up. He gives you enough direction so that you don't blow it. Amen? Because if we knew the beginning from the end, we would blow it. Or some of us would freak out. Right? You would hide from it. You're like, I don't, uh, I don't want to go through that tough time. I just want the good times. Right? I mean, that's human nature in one sense. Every one of us liked the specifics. Joseph had no idea that his gift of administration would one day lead him to be the chief administrator of Egypt. He knew he had the gift, and everywhere he went, and every place God sent him, he used his gifts. You see, you might be at a dead-end job today, but are you really using your gifts there? 
You might think you're at a dead-end church. I hope not. Are you using your gifts at this church? Are you helping or are you complaining? I'm going to step off the pulpit just for a second and I'm going to talk to you as your pastor and friend. And sometimes in church, we hear people complaining about how bad our church is. And, and I'll say, then what are you doing to help us? If you see a hole, maybe God, if you see a need, maybe God put that on your heart to help us out. And I'm not saying that don't ever complain to me anymore, but if, if you have a, a desire to do something to help us, then say, God, what can I do? Amen? When you see a pastor struggling to do everything or, you're, or people in the church working on doing everything else, then you say, you know what, I have gifts. I need to use my gifts. Amen? Pastor, I don't know. Man, I, when I leave church, I don't get fed. Maybe because you're not giving. I love you. And this American church, it's crazy. It's such a consumer mentality. And that's not God's plan for the church. Amen? All right, I'm moving on. So like, please move on. But you see, when you start operating your gifts, it gives you direction. He will give you purpose and you begin to see it and the gifts begin to come more evident. He doesn't give you specifics. He just gives you enough direction to keep you going. Amen? And as you move forward in your destiny, you'll begin to walk in faith knowing that every step I take, God is guiding my life. You've got to believe that. You can't say, I don't know where I'm going and God's not guiding me. God is guiding you in every step. Okay? Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. You've got to stay in the word. Amen? Psalm 37, 23-24. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. Listen to this. He delights in every detail of their lives. So they, they, though they may stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. Isn't that awesome? He delights in every step you're taking. And if you stumble, He's there to pick you up. You can't lose. Come on, amen? You should be shouting right now. Wow, man, this is awesome. Number, letter B, your purpose and direction... Uh, your purpose is a direction toward your destiny. Again, ask God to guide you. Then trust Him. Trust Him to control and guide you. Look at this person with, with, a, with a purpose and gift. We talked about Joseph. Joseph was guided by God and used by God. Let me, let me t- explain to you another person that lived in the 1800s. You know who this person is. You'll, you'll get it in a second. Look at this person who had a purpose and gift. And look what happened to him until he got to the place where God wanted him to be. The love of his life, the first love of his life died. He had a nervous breakdown. He failed in business. He was defeated when he ran for state legislator. He lost jobs. He was defeated when he ran for speaker of the state house. Was defeated for nomination to Congress. He lost a renomination and was rejected as a land officer. You say, my goodness, this guy's a loser, right? Let me go on. Not only that, but he was defeated for U.S. Senate. He was defeated for nomination of vice president and was again defeated for Senate. But at the age of 51... This person became the President of the United States at one of the most difficult times in the United States history. Who was this man? Abraham Lincoln. God was preparing him for that right time. He had to go through all that stuff. Can you imagine what President Lincoln had to deal with at that time he was president? You think our nation is divided now. It was much more divided then. He led the nation through civil war and he brought about the Emancipation Proclamation which stopped slavery. Thank God for that. Amen? In all his failings, he never gave up. He knew that God was in control. He kept working towards his destiny. He got knocked down. He understood the scripture that God lifts him up. He just kept at it. He kept at it. And you need to keep at it. When you get knocked down, don't quit. Amen? Abraham Lincoln faced many obstacles, not knowing the specifics God had planned for him, but God, he knew God had a... In fact, he had dreams from God. And you don't read about this very much, but he had dreams from God. 
And you see, God has given you dreams, and you need to keep living for what God has for your life. Don't give up on those dreams. Amen? Stay focused. I'm getting down to the end. Number six, set your course and be faithful. Man, you know what really drives me crazy? One of the things, one of the many things, is seeing people start in a path and then jump out of that path because it's tough. Or, you know what, it looks better over there. Or, you know what, I can, I can do this, and no, then I can do that. And they waste all their time going back and forth, back and forth. Isn't this tiring, watching me going back and forth? You know, I'm, I'm going to be a doctor today. No, I'm going to be a musician. No, I'm going uh, to be a cook. No, I'm going to be a, a computer guy. No, I'm going to be a pastor. No, that didn't work. I'm going to be a mission. No way. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. to... And so then they spend 20, 30 years just running around. Find what you're good at and stick with it. Amen? And I know, I mean, I know I tell my kids they have, they're going to do a lot of things. And, and, but man, we live in a society, especially right here, and man, if you've been sucked into this, man, you're like our kids, they're pretty good at sports, okay? I'm a proud dad, okay? They're pretty good at sports. And I remember early on, oh, your kid's got a gift. If your kid doesn't get in this camp, which costs $1,000, your kid's never going to make it pro. And I say, maybe God doesn't want my kid to be pro. I don't want my kid to be a pro. Do you see the lifestyle they live? Well, your kid's not going to get to Harvard. Maybe my kid doesn't want to go to Harvard. Maybe my kid wants to go to Bible college. Maybe my kid just wants to go to trade school and open up a business. Maybe one day, well, they want to work on stuff. I, who are you telling me what my kid wants to do? And so we get sucked up and as well, if your kid doesn't go to this and the kid doesn't go to this and doesn't get that, then they're not going to amount to much. God didn't say that. They might go through some of that stuff. That might help them, but that doesn't prove that they're going to be successful. Being faithful to what God has called you will prove that you're successful. Degree or no degree. Right pedigree or not right pedigree. I mean, Jesus never went to Harvard, Bible, uh, Harvard School of Business. Jesus didn't even go to Bible college. What makes us... I mean, there's nothing wrong. And, and if, I mean, sometimes having a degree or having a trade, technical school, that stuff definitely can help you walk in what God has called you to do. I'm not against any of that. I'm not against education. Please don't hear me... But don't think that's the sum total. Don't think that that degree is going to give you success. You've got to actually work. Don't think that certification with the tools or the, the software is going to give you success. You've got to actually work. You've got to actually be faithful. Is this good preaching or not? And so you've got to, you've got to don't get sidetracked. Get, let your dreams and gifts set your direction. Don't worry about the specifics. Don't worry about what the world tells you. Just say, you know what? God has a plan for my life and I'm going to start walking in that. Amen? Don't try to be everything because you can't be everything. Yes, you can be a doctor and a lawyer, but you can't, you can't be practicing those both at the same time without killing yourself. You, I mean, you, can, you can't be the foremost U2, you know, Bono or, or you know, whatever, whatever. You can't do all that and, and do everything else. You can only do... Now, some of you are texting right now and you're pretty talented while you're listening to me. That, that's easy because you're sitting, but you can't be everything. You can be a few things. You need to focus on those few things that God's called you to do, and you need to do your best for them. Amen? Stay focused. Don't get sidetracked. Then let her be. Our faithfulness will determine how far we go. There are many tests that you must go through on your way to your destiny. And all these tests are important. In fact, listen to this. Very, listen very carefully. Do not bypass them. Look to pass them. We live in a society that wants to shortcut. We want bypasses. 
I mean, I don't know about you, but when I'm on driving, driving, I'm listening to the radio, how do I get bypass the traffic? That's fine. But sometimes you just have to just, you know, in life, there's sometimes there's just a traffic jam. And GPS will not guide you out. You just got to live through it. And you got to learn through it. You got to be patient through it. You got to be faithful through it. And the whole series I've talked about, these ten tests, you're going to have to go through every one of these ten tests to be where God has the, you ready for that pinnacle place that God has for you. You can't look to bypass these. Remember, because I told you earlier, undeveloped character cannot handle true success. Undeveloped character cannot handle true success. And faithfulness is the answer. God, I'm going to be faithful to this. This job only pays less than what I, was, I could have been at that job. Or this is not the career I want to be, but it, it will help me if I'm faithful at it. Lord, I'm at this church and they haven't yet asked me to do what I've been called to do. Lord, I'm just going to step in and I'm going to do it. Amen? You know what, God, my, my community needs some help, so I'm going to get on board and I'm going to help on this community thing. I'm going to do that. I'm going to just be faithful where I live. Amen? Faithfulness is the answer. The question, will you be faithful to what God is calling you to do? More than anything else, faithfulness kept Joseph focused on his purpose. Would you stand with me this morning? Faithfulness must be the foundation to our lives. Faithfulness will keep us true through every storm, through every temptation. Faithfulness will lead us to our destiny. Amen? Here's what I want to do. I want you to... Just as God is guiding you, God is leading you. Uh, if you want to come to the front, I want you to come to the front. But before we do that, I just want to give a moment of prayer. That this morning with your eyes closed, your heads bowed. Eyes closed, heads bowed. And maybe you've heard me talk about this, Jesus. You've t- heard me talk about Jesus in the last few weeks, a few months, or maybe this is the first time. And Jesus is calling you to live a life worthy. And he's coming to set you free. He wants you to know him. And so this morning, you know that you need to give your life to Jesus. The Bible says that if you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. Saved from what? Saved from yourself. Saved from sin. Saved from hell. And you'll live eternally with Him. So with your eyes closed, your heads bowed this morning, I want you to say, you know what, Pastor Sin? I need to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want to accept Him as my King. And if that's you, with your eyes closed, heads bowed, say, you know what, that's me. I know I'm at this place where I need to accept Jesus. Would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I need to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Okay. I trust in everyone, that everyone has accepted the Lord Jesus. Now, this is the last thing I want to do, and I want to open up the altar for those that want to come down. The worship team is going to play a song, and, and I just want you to be open. But some of you this morning, you have, you have maybe allowed the world to waste your time, and you're not living out your divine purpose. And you're saying, you know what, God, I don't want to waste time anymore, and I want to get on track with what you have for my life. I want to fulfill that dream. Would you come to the front and say, that's me, God. I want to get on track. I don't want the world to define who you've called me to be. I want you to define. I want you to come to the front and say, I want God to help me today. I, I, maybe some of you this morning say, I don't have direction. I need God's direction. Would you just come to the front right now as the worship team's playing? Say, I need God's direction this morning. Or maybe you're like, you know what, Pastor? I don't even know my gifts yet. I want to recognize them. Would you just come to the front and say, God, I want to recognize the gifts and talents. Come on to the front. I'm calling you up if you want to come. Some of you didn't sit this morning. So you know what? I, I need to know that God is in control. And I'm going to come to the front this morning and I'm going to give him control of my life. And even though things are going bad or things are rough, he is still in charge of my life. Come on down. Or you know what? I need to know that God is in charge of my life. I need to know he's in control. Come on down to the front right now. Some of you need to stop worrying about the specifics and start working on what God's called you. Come down to the front if that's you. You don't need to know all the details. You just need to start walking with God. You don't want to waste time anymore. You want direction. 
You want to recognize your gifts. You want to get on the right path. You want to know that God's in control. I want you to come to the front. Or you know what? You say, I'm tired of trying to be what the world tells me to be. I want to be what God wants me. Come to the front. Come on, let the Holy Spirit guide you right now. God, guide us and empower us. Father, let us be the servants you want us to be. Let us be, Lord, what you want us to be in our workplaces, our schools, our homes, our neighborhoods, with our families, in this church, in this community, God. Send your spirit upon every person here today. You have divine purpose for every man, every woman, every teenager, every child. And we want to live out that purpose. We don't want the world telling us who we are. We want you to tell us who we are. We don't know all the specifics, but we know that you're in charge, God. We don't know what tomorrow is going to do, but you're still with us, God. Maybe we haven't used our gifts. Maybe we don't know our gifts. Maybe we're saying, God, would you guide us? For my friends are saying, I don't know. I don't know my purpose. Would you speak to them right now with divine purpose in their lives, God? Maybe some of my friends are up here, Lord, and they feel like they've wasted time. Maybe they haven't passed the test yet, and they want, they want them to pass that test. Do it today. Maybe they have wasted time doing things they shouldn't be doing. Let them get on the right track now and say, God, I want to get on the right track. Maybe they don't know who they're supposed to be with and where they're supposed to go. Would you guide them today? Help them to know, God, let us not waste time anymore. We want to make a difference, God. We want to know that you're in control, God. We want to help you to help us find our gifts and our talents and use them, God. Maybe some of us need to learn to be faithful. We're trying to be everything. We're trying to do everything. Help us today, God. Help us today, God. Help us today, Father God. Friends, I want to say this. I know, I know you hear me say this a lot. But God has greater things in store for you. God has greater things in store for you. If you're single or married, you got kids, you don't have kids, you have grandkids, it doesn't matter. God has greater things for you than what you've experienced in life. Be faithful. And I want to tell you that God, I mean, I was at district council, so we don't know, I was with a bunch of pastors this week, and God spoke to me divinely about this church. And I know I say it a lot, but we are going to be doing some greater things than we've seen in the, ever before. What we've seen in the last nine years is great, but in the next nine years, or how many other years God has me here, or the next pastor, greater things are going to happen in you and in this church. We're ascending church. We send people all over the world. People come and go. That's just part of the nature of this area. They come and go, but we're sending them out. But in the next few years, and I don't want you to be afraid of it, but some of you are going to be called to a mission field. Maybe a college campus, maybe a foreign country, maybe a homeless mission, maybe, maybe some other ministry. Some of you to be called to, a, to be a missionary. All of you are ministers everywhere you go. And we're running out of time, church. 
Our world is so-called spinning out of control and we have the answer. And His name is Jesus. And we got to start saying, God, I'm all in. I'm all in, God. Whatever you want me to do, I, I can touch one or two people, but those one or two people will touch another person, will touch another person, will touch another person. And revival, a spiritual awakening will begin to happen in this church. I'm not trying to scare you, but the visions God has given me that this building is going to be full. People are going to be packing our parking lot, running in here saying, what must I do to be saved? They're, they're going to be out on the streets calling out, Jesus, I need you. we got to believe it, church. You're like, oh my goodness, Pastor, I don't deal with all those people, but God will deal with those people. If we have to build a new building, we start new churches, God is going to do some great things in your life. Expect some breakthroughs in your life, in your family, your school, in your jobs. God is going to do some great things. You've got to believe it. Amen? Pastor, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. Then allow God to strengthen you. And know that He can turn things around just like that. I mean, one day Joseph went from the prison to the palace. It can happen. 